DJ and PK in the morning is proudly presented by Mark Miller Subaru. Matt George, host of Locked On Kings, is going to join us coming up in one hour. The Jazz getting Hassan Whiteside from Sacramento. He signs as a free agent. Did not have a good year last year. Had had several good years before that. So they're getting Hassan Whiteside, but are they getting Hassan Whiteside? Exactly. <laughs> and we'll talk with Matt George about that coming up in an hour. And also, former Utah State star Nimes Keda is in Sacramento now. So I think he's going to make the team. I think he's an NBA player just for his defensive presence. I've always felt that. So that's Matt George coming up in one hour. We're going to talk college football here momentarily with Riley Jensen. We've got a question of the day up. The coaches poll list Alabama, Clemson, Oklahoma, and Ohio State is the top four. How boring and predictable at the highest level has college football become? And the largely, largely, if I had to sum up all the answers, the answer would be very. Very boring, very predictable. Sports, it's our, it's our soap opera, PK. It's our drama. It's our unscripted, crazy, you never know what's going to happen, except in college football you tend to largely know what's going to happen. We got three to three and a half months now of Alabama, Clemson, Oklahoma, and Ohio State beating everybody up. Yeah, and you know, you turn on, I, like, I used to like to watch game day, really loved game day on Saturday mornings. Soured on it? Yeah, because it's the same teams. And I, they're they're they care about ratings and all, so they need to talk about those teams. I don't blame them. So it's not even so much where they go; it's once they get there, they start hitting the topics, and you know who it's going to be. Yeah. And then they have something in there that involves death to pull out uh, your heartstrings, and then they bring on five minutes to ten a celebrity pick, and then it's over. I only usually watch the last fifteen to thirty minutes of game day. That's about it. I used to watch at least an hour, hour and a half. But see, I get up later on Saturday than you do. After five days of getting up for radio, I'm ready to sleep. But I could watch, I like watching it at the gym. You're up and at them. An hour hour and a half. You're up and at them. At the gym. Yeah. I still watch it, but. You don't enjoy it as much. Not as much, no. Yeah. All right, DJ and PK, it is time to talk college football with Riley Jensen, college football insider and mental performance coach. He joins us on the Smart Rain guest line. It's no secret that Utah is in an extreme drought. That's why Smart Rain is a solution for any commercial property concerned about water consumption while managing irrigation. Find out more at smartrain.net. Riley, good morning. What's up, you sorry dudes? Good to have you back. Screw you, I'm elite. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, you are. (laughs) <laughs> yes, you are. A guy tweeted that, Adam. That's why it's a yeah, yeah. The guy no, I, outside I, the first team all wacker. I, I mean, look, <laughs> look. Just the elite, the word elite and and Patrick Kinahan, they just kind of go together, right? Oh, like it's we, peanut butter and jelly. Peanut butter and jelly. <laughs> <laughs> I'm more peanut butter and jam. Jam is just I another word for jelly. No, jelly is strained. There's no fruit in jelly. It's just the juice and the sugar. Jam will have chunks of fruit in it. Oh, you act like you're healthy, dude. You're not. <laughs> I know. That's why I'm going for the more sugar with the fruit in it. Okay. <laughs> Didn't follow that, clearly. All right, Riley. Uh, we have you on to talk football, but let's just talk quarterbacks. Let's get right in your wheelhouse I know the competition's going on, and they don't let us watch practice, so there's not much we can add, but I also know that you talk to people, and you know people who know people. So, who's the starting quarterback going to be up on the hill at the U? It's going to be Charlie Brewer. <laughs> I, don't, I mean, look, 
I, I know they want to make it a competition. They 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 love to make it, but even yesterday, just listening to the comments of the coaches, I was I was like, oh man, he just totally stood. He, he just stood up for Charlie Brewer right there, right? And you guys, you guys did a great job of asking him some questions that made him have to think about it, you know. And, they, and somebody asked a question about like, well, doesn't it help, you know, that this quarterback knows the play? And then he's like, yeah, but Charlie Brewer, I mean, he's come here and he's studied it and he's right there, and like, like neck and neck, you know. And I was like, oh, okay, coach. It's not somebody. Gotcha. It's me who asked the question. It's nobody. <laughs> That's what I thought. You're it was elite. an elite question, so I don't yeah, know why. Yeah, there I it is. Well played, Riley. You're the man. So no, I'm but, wondering, you know, <laughs> now finish your thought. Go ahead. No, I just think I, I just think that Charlie Brewer he he just checks all all the boxes for a Kyle Whitting quarterback. Okay, so he had he had a dad that played at Texas, played quarterback. His uncle played quarterback at Texas. His grandpa played quarterback at Texas. Texas has a reputation for being tough. He went to Lake Travis. He set all these records. He's he's got that Texas toughness, or at least that's the perception that we're getting, right? And I think that checks the boxes right now for Kyle. He's a small dude, man. I wonder and worry, not on worry about it, but wonder you know if that will. Uh, come back to haunt them as far as injury. And I also think that, too, Rising wins the job last year, and unfortunately he got hurt, and unfortunately it was only five-game season anyway, so I guess if you're going to get hurt, it's a good year to get hurt in. But, you know, you look at their program and bringing in these guys for a year, fortunately uh, last year wasn't a, a full season, but it would have been a waste now in retrospect to play Bentley all that time at the expense of rising and didn't come to pass. They didn't play a lot of games because of uh, the COVID and then, of course, uh, rising's injury. So if they go like five and four in conference and you're playing Brewer, to me that's a waste because you've stalled rising's development. And so you look at what they did with Huntley and he goes seven and six that first year and then comes back and is pretty doggone good and they got two South Division titles off of it and go into the Pac-12 final. Now, of course, if Brewer leads them to the South, finish first, and if they win a conference or even get there, it's still a pretty successful year. So what do you think about that as far as bringing in a one-year dude? If, he's, if he hits it, like I guess Joe Burrow did for LSU, great. But you're also stalling the development of Rising, and he could pay off next year. Yeah, so a couple of things. I think I, I think these are all great things to think about. Coaches that I talk to, they never think about like, well, if we go five and four, it's a waste. They're they're just thinking about like, can I win this game right here, and who gives me the best chance to win this game right here? So, yes, I think that's really fun for us to talk about and us to think about and all those things, but. But they have to live in the now, right? Because nobody gives them the luxury of going, you know, you know, four and eight one year without killing them, right? So they got to win here now, and and so as a result of that, the lean always goes to the younger quarterback if it's equal, right? So if Charlie's going to be the quarterback, he has to be significantly better. He has to be, or else they're not going to. They're going to start rising, and so there's always the lean that goes to the younger guy just for those development reasons that you're talking about, especially if it's a tie. So if you're a senior going into a quarterback competition, <clears throat> you better leave no doubt that you're the guy because they won't pick you. They, they will naturally go with the younger guy. 
Now, the coaches that I've been talking to lately, though, this is where I find it really, really interesting. They have told me that that this portal thing has changed everything. It's changed everything. And even the basketball coaches that I've talked talk to, it's going to be very, very hard for a freshman quarterback to come in anymore and be a starter because of this portal. And you're just going to see guys that reload every year in the portal because it's not like every guy in the portal is worth offering or worth getting, but there's enough out there that they're better than what you got. And if you can offer them and if you can bring them into the program, it makes you better, better instantly, quicker than a junior college, quicker than a freshman, quicker than anything else. And so uh, this portal thing I know we're all talking about NIL and all that kind of stuff. The portal thing is changing. It's changing the landscape. And the kids that are getting hurt are the, are the seniors in high school right now because they're not even they're not even looking at them right now. They're like, oh, I can get this guy out of the portal. I can get this guy out of the portal. And yeah, okay. I mean, I guess we have to work. I guess we have to get a freshman, right? So BYU, allegedly, it's a three quarterback race. Are you as definitive about the Cougars as you are about the Utes? Yes, Jaron Hall. It's going to be Jaron Hall. And look, Jaron brings so much to the um, – he brings so much to the table as far as being able to throw the ball, being able to run the ball, being a great leader, being, being a great individual. I mean, you want your quarterback to be the CEO of your team. You want him to be the guy – I mean, you can't have the village idiot running your squad, right? And, and he knows what he's doing, and he, he has been in this program – He's paid his dues, and I think that he has the potential to be a really, really good quarterback, especially with the receiving core. And, you know, Dallin Holker coming back from a mission at tight end, and they've already got Rex there. I mean, I think there's a lot of weapons for a quarterback there. My biggest worry about him, and I'm, and this is just me speaking honestly and out loud, is when I saw him get the concussion in the Utah State game, it set off all kinds of alarms for me because that was not – that was not your normal big hit concussion type hit. In fact, when I was rewinding it in that game and everything, I couldn't even find where he really got hit in the head. And maybe he got hit in another play and just played a few more and then finally told somebody. But to me, I'm, I'm very concerned about how easily that, that he was concussed in that game. And I'm just concerned about what, what happens going forward in the future because Jalen is at his best when he can run – when he can scramble and when he can do those things. And, and he's a very, very good, good football player. He, he, I think the biggest challenge for him is he's just got to be him. He doesn't have to be Zach Wilson. He doesn't have to be Ty Detmer. He doesn't have to be any of the quarterbacks of old. He just has to be Jalen Hall. And if, he's, and, if, and if he's the best version of himself, that's a really, really good college quarterback. Yeah, I remember seeing that too and wondering where he got hit. I remember that specifically. So uh, you were adamant. There was no question. You quickly went to Hall without reservation, and, and I certainly think you're right, and I've thought that for a good while. Uh, the thing that I find interesting is that in these cases, you see quarterbacks leave, but BYU not only has quarterbacks not leaving, they have quarterbacks joining the program. Uh, what would you advise if, if uh, Ian, you were a kid who moved around a little bit yourself, if uh, – particularly Romney and even Connor, if they came to you and said, okay, Hall's the guy, and we're even or I'm a grade behind him uh, as far as playing time, what would you say? Well, it's, it's, I, 
this would be the worst time to ask me because of the portal, right? And because of the things that are going on in the portal, it's a lot easier to transfer now. You get one free transfer without any penalty to your, you know, to your eligibility. When I transferred, I lost a year, and that was that was that was really really hard. And that was a difficult decision to make. You know, up until this this portal transfer and this free transfer, I mean, my my mindset if 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 I'd had a kid or a nephew or anybody that would you know, would be good enough to play and wasn't playing somewhere was like, Hey, go to the school that you love, pick a school that even if the coaches leave, or if you're not starting, you would love being at school there. You would love the degree that you're getting and just stick it out and be resilient. Largely in part because my experience was, it was good. And and I think most people would love to, you know, start their senior year at, at the school that they transferred to. But I think there's just something to the resilience and the grit of staying and sticking something out. But <laughs> this portal thing kind of changed things. I mean, you look at a guy like Charlie Brewer who threw for a bajillion yards in 2019, and now he's in the he's in the transfer por- transfer portal, and and he can have an opportunity to play at Utah in the Pac-12 with a chance to win, you know, a South Division championship and a conference championship. It's hard. It's it's hard to say what I would tell my son, and and especially at a school like BYU, uh, you know, you're at a, you're at a good school, you're in a good place, you're in a safe place for your kid. Um, but these guys want to play. I mean, I guarantee you, R- Romney, and and I and by the way, when I when I say definitively that I think it's Jalen Hall, that's that's not to say that I don't love the way Romney plays. I actually think. That and and look, I don't, I don't want it to sound like blasphemy because I know what this is going to sound like when I say it. But but he's a he's a poor man's Joe Montana. He's deceivingly fast. He can run better than you think you can. He makes great decisions with his arm, and and is very cerebral in that position. And so, you know, knowing the history of Jalen Hall and that he's had some injuries and those sorts of things. If I'm if I'm Romney, I'm sticking it out, and I'm like. I'm going to be the guy that can make the good decisions and can and can help this team and and make a, a significant impact on this team if I stick around. Is that the kind of deal where if Hall has an injury, who plays depends on when it happens? Will it be the same quarterback based on whether it happens in the third quarter and you got to go win the game now? Or, uh-oh, he's out for three weeks. Hey, let's play Conover and play the long game here. Or it'll be the same backup no matter what. Ooh, that's a that's a really good question. Uh, I'm elite. I, I'm elite I've too. never been in a situation where I had so much depth at quarterback that I could like think that way. So I, this is a really good question because, from all accounts, Conover is a very, very capable and very good quarterback. And you know, now with the redshirt rule, you can play him. You know, basically in four games without without counting towards their redshirt and. You know, I'd be interested to get him in in certain situations, especially like blowouts and different things like that. So maybe, maybe you have a guy like Conover who is playing mop up time for the four games that he can play, but your real second string guy is is Romney. Uh, you know, these are all these are really really significant questions because you do have to think about the long term. And just like you were talking about with with Rising Patrick. You know, you, you do have to think about the development of your next quarterback. It can't just be all about the guy that's there. You do have to think about the future, and there's no replacement for live repetitions in games, even if it's against, you know, to still 
you know, um, a line from a long time ago, even if it's against Bo Diddley Tech, if he's getting live reps in a game, right, he's, he's going to be better in the future. So you say in blowouts, you're talking about that second game when the Cougars are hammering the Utes in the fourth quarter. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's exactly what I was saying. Thank you, Patrick. I mean, sometimes I can't really verbalize what I'm trying to say, so thank you, He's elite. <laughs> He's elite. Speaking of elite, this uh, Dustin Smith, who runs uh, the elite quarterback uh, thing, you probably have some interaction or know of him, QB elite. We had him on the other day, and he was talking about the University of Utah not recruiting kids uh, at quarterback in Utah and going to other places around the country, and he even included Arizona and Idaho in there. And we were trying to figure out, there's been a couple of quarterbacks who have gone, obviously Wilson they didn't recruit, and then there's the Cooper and then Dart down at SC. Uh, have there been others that we missed? And I'm not even sure about the background of Cooper and Dart as far as recruiting goes, as far as how much the Utes recru- recruited them or didn't recruit them. But do you think it's an issue of Utah not looking at local guys enough? Um, I think it's, I think that's an interesting question and an interesting scenario. Cooper was not recruited. Zach Wilson was not recruited. I know that. I know that Dart was offered, but he was offered – a little bit later and it was kind of on the down low right and so it didn't i don't i don't think it made him feel all the love that maybe he wanted although i don't think jackson dart would have been a good fit at the university of utah and so maybe that was the that was the game that, that utah was playing like look we we kind of need to make sure that we're keeping this guy warm but he's probably not going to come here anyway the interesting part that the university of utah is in is the top tier quarterbacks in the country are getting offered really, really early now. I mean, really early. And it feels like to me that a Utah quarterback, a kid out of the state of Utah, and I think this is changing because of Zach Wilson, and I think it's changing because of Cam Cooper, and I think it's changing because of Jackson Dart, is they typically got offered like just before their senior year, but a lot of quarterbacks are offered before their junior year or in camp just before their junior year because people are like, oh, this guy's legit. He's going to be a starter. I've talked to his coach. This guy's a big-time guy. Or they've already started as a sophomore. And so I think the the difficulty for Utah is they've gotten in this position of like, okay, we have decided to offer this guy. Are we going to stay true to our word? And are we going to like really stay with this? Or are we going to be like the team that just offers like three quarterbacks and whichever one is tough enough to stay with the offer? is the one that we stay with. And so far, Utah's decided that they're going to honor their commitment, right? And they're, they're not going to offer somebody else. They're going to stay with their commitment. And I think that's put them in a tough situation with kids from Utah because, you know, I mean, Jackson Dart, by all intents and purposes, in my opinion, should have been offered a lot earlier than he was. But he benefited from a COVID season and then being on national TV, on ESPN, and finally started getting the offers and the, and, and the things that he wanted. And, but that was late in the game. And so it's just really, really interesting to think. I don't think that they're not looking at Utah quarterbacks. I think that what happens, though, is if there's a really good quarterback that comes up from out of state, do I wait to see if a Utah kid develops or do I offer him now? And I think, I think Utah's probably doing it right. But I think as we continue to see some of these quarterbacks in the state of Utah do really, really well on the next level, 
I think they'll take a harder look at those kids. But there's a lot of pressure on teams. I mean, I know, I know for a fact. I was talking to a Tennessee coach when Zach Wilson was getting recruited out of high school, and he wasn't a four star or a five star. And this coach loved Zach Wilson. Like he was like, dude, I would offer him right now. He goes, there's way too much pressure on me to offer a four or a five star. He goes, but he's better than all the guys we have right now. And uh, I just found that really interesting. There are some pressures in different programs to offer different guys. I'm not saying that that's the case at Utah yet, but there's different things that go into why you offer a quarterback and who you offer and, and when you offer them. How much will people offer these quarterbacks going into their junior year based on the camps they've seen and that kind of workout video and that? Because there aren't, just to keep it on the Utah point here, there aren't that many quarterbacks starting in Utah as a sophomore. Now, Maddox Madsen did, and maybe he's the guy we should be talking about because he got to start young at American Fork, and now he's committed to go play for the Broncos up at Boise State. Uh, but there aren't that many quarterbacks doing that. That seems like a heck of a reach to offer a kid who hasn't played that much varsity football, if any. Yeah, it's a little bit of a reach unless you unless you trust the coach at the school, right? So, for example, it's it's it's. I mean, I, I don't know that it's a hundred percent, but I mean, it's it's pretty secure right now that this kid that transferred up from the state of Arizona to Corner Canyon is going to start. He's going to start. Zach Wilson's brother. Yeah. Zach Wilson's brother is a sophomore. And they've already offered. And, he's already offered. Right. Because number one, he's got an older brother who's the second pick in the draft. Right. But number two, like. If you talk to, to Eric Care and they're like, dude, we kind of like this guy in camp, what do you think? Uh, he's going to be a big-time quarterback, but I've got an Elite 11 quarterback transferring in. Well, we're still going to offer him. Well, go ahead. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, there, there is the talk. And, and college recruiters, the big thing with college recruiters right now, and I, and, and I love and I hate this in some ways because I think it eliminates some quarterbacks that can't afford to go and be on your campus and do some of those things. But everybody wants to see him in person. Everybody's highlight videos look really, really good right now. But every coach wants to see him in person. And if you get in front of a coach and he sees you in person and he's already seen a highlight film that he's somewhat impressed with, and then he sees you in person and goes, dude, that that guy can make every throw that my quarterbacks can make right now, he'll offer you. He'll offer you when he sees you in person. And there's all kinds of opportunities to get in front of coaches now. Just tons of opportunities. The problem is you got to travel. you got to go do it. you got to – you got to play the game of Elite Eleven. You got to travel out to their camp during the summer. You got to you got to make sure that they know who you are before you go out to the camp. I mean, it's a difficult it's a difficult road to get recruited as a quarterback, and it's difficult for 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 teams to actually like recruit a quarterback and be one hundred percent sure that they're going to land on this guy. Because let's be honest, quarterbacks at every state in school state here. I mean, you're you're looking at like a 33% clip of quarterbacks that have landed. There's a, there's a lot of guys that never play and never really pan out for you. Last thing before we let you go, we always discuss um, analytics, trend stats versus just being able to make the big play in the moment, the game-winning play. And you're working for uh, as a mental uh, performance coach. You work with a lot of teams college, pro, you're working with RSL right now. They are tied for third in the West in goals scored, tied for third in fewest goals conceded, and yet in eighth place in the standing, which to my mind can only go to 
Well, you give up a late goal and you turn a win and three points into one. You never get blown out, so your goal differential is awesome. Can you how do you how do you deal with players when that kind of thing is going on? When there's clearly some level of competence, talent, and a potential for success, and yet something just isn't adding up. Yeah, so I think I think this can go. Uh, and, and forgive me for going back to a, a football analogy, but I remember when Gary Anderson was at Utah State the first time. The the hardest thing that he said to change in the culture at Utah State was the here we go again, right? Like, oh, here we go again. You know, with Real Salt Lake, if a goal scored on him late, you know, late in the first half or, or excuse me, late in the second half, you know, you got to fight against the here we go again, here we go again. And um, with Utah State, there was a tradition of playing really, really good against teams and then something would happen and then Utah State would lose. And he told me specifically there was a game with Chucky Keaton at Hawaii, where a situation had happened where it could be here we go again, and they didn't they they didn't allow it to happen and they fought through it and he said he knew at that point that this program was going to be different than it had been in a long time because they 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 had the fortitude to like fight through it. So I think how the question is how do you battle through something like that? I think it's how you frame it. I think it's really really easy. If you're RSL or if you're a team that's been losing close games, to just kind of get in the mindset of like, well, <clears throat> here we go again. And then the way you frame it is like, man, we're just snake bit. We're doing so many good things. We're we're scoring goals. We're doing this. We're doing that. And and it's really easy to say, man, I'm snake bit. Instead of saying like, it's just a matter of time. You know, the dam's going to break here in a minute, and nobody's going to be able to stop us. And so. It's really about the frame of reference that you're looking at your performance that can be really, really important. It's like when I work with a, a baseball player, I was working with a double-A baseball player a couple of years ago, you know, and I, and I was just talking to him, like, so talk to me about, like, when you, your mindset, about your routine, when you get up to the plate, like, what, what are you doing? And he goes through all these things, you know, I, you know I, I fasten my gloves, I look over the coach, I take a deep breath, I look at the label, and I go, okay, that's good. I like your routine. But right when you get in the box, what do you think? And he's like, I'm thinking, don't strike out. Don't strike out. You know? <laughs> and I'm like, wow, okay. Well, this is this Welcome is, to this my is life. <laughs> right? Right? And he's like, he's like, well, the thing is, when I hit the ball, I mean, I'm roping it. I'm, I'm, I'm lacing doubles and triples. All I got to do is make contact. I got to make solid contact. And I go, how about we say make solid contact <laughs> instead of don't strike out? <laughs> Right? I heard a story right? once that you that as a coach you should never say don't that the brain doesn't really process that and there's some story about a manager going out to the nine you're like don't throw him a, a strike over the middle of the plate and so the next pitch strike over the middle of the plate and you know it goes 400 feet do you believe in that eliminate the don't yes and no I mean look we we have to we have to be able to hold up the mirror and look at things honestly and say okay. I need to fix this or I need to fix that, right? So yes and no, but there is some truth to this because if I tell you guys don't think of a pink elephant, like don't think of a pink elephant, (laughs) don't think of a pink elephant, there's a pink elephant in your mind, and then after a second you'll make some sort of decision, like you'll change it to a pink flamingo or you'll change it to a purple elephant so that you're not thinking about those things. And that's what we're talking about. We're talking about getting a frame and a mindset that can change things around a little bit, right? 
And so, long story short, there's, there's a lot of power to the way that we frame things in our lives, the way that we frame our performances, the way we frame our work, the way we frame whatever we're doing. And if we can find a way to achieve the same goal and frame it in some sort of a positive frame or in some sort of a positive mindset, it can be much more powerful for the mind to enact that than if we're saying, don't strike out or don't be a slub or don't be an idiot, right? Then all of a sudden you're an idiot, a slub, and a strikeout. And so there is, there is a lot of power to it. Um, it's not absolute. It's not 100%, but I do think that there's a ton to the way that we think about ourselves and our performances. And, and that's, that's where you have to work on those sorts of things when you're a little bit in a tough situation is like you can't give up on, you, you know, the practice sessions that are going really well or things that are going really well because of a couple of, of things that have gone wrong. And a lot of times when I'm talking to coaches about that kind of stuff, I'll just say, hey, let's just change the scoreboard a little bit here, right? Let's do talk about goal differential. Let's do talk about these things. Let's talk about how there's a whole bunch of positive things going on that if we continue to do that, we're going to win a lot of games. I mean, you look at Real Salt Lake, the last game, I mean, possession was like 65%. They had all kinds of corner kicks. They had all kinds of shots on goal compared to the – and that's typically a game that you win. So you can't hang your head too much on every win and loss. you gotta, you got to know that you're doing the right things and be proud of yourself that you're doing the right things. Riley, as always, we appreciate it. PK's not the only one who's elite. You're elite too, my man. <laughs> Thank you. I appreciate it. Thank you, Riley. And you know who else is elite? It's Yach. He's been chasing him. And it looks like he's landing the big fish. Yach, can you speak of it or will it jinx everything? Nope, we're good. Joe Ingles, 9 o'clock. Olympic gold medalist, Joe Ingles. Olympic what? Gold, a bronze medalist. <laughs> okay. Well, in my mind, it's a gold medalist. That was uh, elite. That was elite right there. <laughs> Riley Jensen, college football insider, mental performance coach, join us here on 97.5 at 1280 The Zone. Joe Ingles will be here at 9 o'clock, and we will reschedule Matt George, host of Lockdown Kings, to talk about Hassan Whiteside and Nimi Keita. All right, when we come back, DJ and PK. More college football on the way. Stay with us. And Joe Ingles at 9.